Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. It is the first episode of the month, which means this week's episode is a character study episode, and this one is going to be about Sejanus Flynn. Um, and also, you are getting a fun bonus there will be an episode this week as well as next week, even though I am currently on a bi-weekly schedule. Um, I was traveling last week, and so I didn't get a chance to put out an episode. So there will be one today, and then there will be one next Thursday. Um, and that one is a very fun one with some guests and just some fun things happening. But you'll see when we get there. But for this week, we're talking about Sejanus. And so, as usual, I'm going to start with my little spiel, like, who this person is, you know. Just, just so we all remember, as if we could ever forget who Sejanus Plinth is. Sejanus Plinth is a student at the Capitol Academy after his family moves from District 2 due, his, due to his father's financial success. He is a mentor to Marcus, the male tribute from District 2, in the 10th Hunger Games. After the games, he enlists as a peacekeeper in District 12, where he becomes involved in a rebel plot and is subsequently executed for treason. Um, yeah. It's quite dark. It's quite harrowing. It's quite makes me literally sob. Um, and with that, let's move to the opening quote. Also, my favorite Sejanus Plinth quote. Um, so I knew it had to be either opening or closing. And I feel like it's better opening just because my closing quote is a little too, a little too perfect, unfortunately. Um, so my opening quote is, You've no right to starve people, to punish them for no reason. No right to take away their life and freedom. Those are things everyone is born with and they're not yours for the taking. Winning a war doesn't give you that right. Having more weapons doesn't give you that right. Being from the capital doesn't give you that right. Nothing does. Um, and I think the most important thing to note about this quote is that he says it directly to Volumnia Gall. Um, he's crazy for that. Crazy affectionate. Because she's really scary. And she will definitely kill, like, she'll definitely kill people. Like, for sure, she would kill her own students. Um, she nearly does with Clemencia. Um, maybe she actually does, because I have a whole theory about how she actually killed Gaius Breen. Um, but that's a separate point. I think I feel like I brought that up before. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he says this directly to her. And I also like this moment a lot, because... In this moment, Snow is like, you know what? I have to respect Sejanus for this, even though he very clearly doesn't believe with anything that Sejanus is saying, um, because we know like what he does believe in. But he's like standing up to Dr. Gall, like takes guts. Um, and that is the thing with Sejanus is that he, it is very unfortunate that he gets himself killed. And by gets himself killed, I mean like obviously I'm not trying to like blame him for his own death because that would be horrendous and we know where the blame actually lies but what I mean by that is that like he gets involved and I'll talk more about this later I'm kind of jumping ahead he gets involved with this like rebel plan in district 12 and he kind of jumps in like head first like he very much is like oh this is how I can help I'm going to do it and and uh, like not think too hard about it and it's not because he's not smart it's just that he is so incredibly driven by his desire to do good that sometimes he makes some impulsive decisions and maybe isn't the smartest about how he goes about it um which is my roundabout say way of saying like 
I'm not trying to say that he's not smart. I would never say that. I think he is an incredibly intelligent character. Um, He also has like a really interesting kind of intelligence and also like a deep emotional intelligence that I feel like is something I always love to see across Hunger Games because there are a lot of characters who, while they are very like tactically intelligent or like just generally smart, don't have a high level of emotional intelligence. Like, or are not as able to easily read and gauge the emotions of others. Um, whereas Sejanus, I think, has a better ability to like comfort others and support them and like understand what people need to feel supported, uh, which is obviously a very valuable characteristic, especially as someone who wants to be like a quote unquote good person and wants to like do good things and and make a better world like not to use a cliche but like leave the world a better place than you found it you know like that is his whole deal um which I love for him because I think that that is something that is I feel like in I will always have a deep love for characters in fictional media who like really just will do the right thing no matter what and are driven purely by their desire to do good because it is kind of a rare thing both in fiction and also in reality like there are Especially, and this goes back to like the fiction thing, when the world around them doesn't want them to be that way, he has to actively fight against what the society he lives in wants for him. You know, it is not like he is being encouraged to help the districts or to stand up against the capital. He's being actively encouraged to not do any of those things, and yet he chooses to still do them. And by actively encouraged, I mean like, by his own father like his father is the main person trying to like drill it into his head that like we're capital citizens now stop trying to look out for the districts for marcus for whoever like we are in the capital now and you need to you need to support the capital um and we know that like sejanus and his father would get in these arguments about exactly that because sejanus like that's another thing with him is he never actually felt like a capital citizen if that makes sense like even after they moved there from district two he was like i don't belong here and it's also because he was being treated like he didn't belong there by his peers and Coriolan is no example number one but like you know it was other people too like the fact that he came from the districts and and a lot of the capital people have this like superiority thing where they're like oh we're better than everyone from the districts so you know he was not being like made to feel included, um, which I'm sure didn't help with his like mindset of like the capital isn't actually any better than anyone else. And in fact, I kind of hate it here, um, which he's so right for that. Um, but yeah, so he, it's again, it's a very interesting and thing I love about a character when they are like, everyone is telling them to kind of do the wrong thing or the like morally incorrect thing, I guess, and he is until literally the very end like no I'm not gonna do that even when it results in his literal actual death like he literally gets killed for it um but and I think that if you you know if you were able to like examine this he doesn't regret his actions at the end of the book I think maybe he would like as he and obviously we don't know what's going through his head on the way to his execution I so deeply wish that we did in fact, someone needs to someone needs to get on the like PETA's gamesification of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. For those of you who are familiar with the fan fiction PETA's Games, that's a retelling of all three original books from PETA's perspective. Someone needs to do that 
but for ballad with Sejanus Plinth, like full novel length, Sejanus Plinth perspective. Um, but anyway, we can speculate. And I would say, I believe he, he maybe has like the, like in hindsight is like, there are things maybe I would have done differently. Um, and also we don't even know if he makes the connection that Snow is the one that turned him in. I personally, and I go back and forth on this. So at a future date, I say something different or if I've said something different in the past, call me a liar. I, I don't, I can't decide. But I think I've landed pretty firmly on he, I mean, okay, but like think about it like this. Who actually knew that he was involved? Billy Top, dead. Mayfair Lip, also dead. Um, Spruce got arrested and then died. And was like, like from what we know, like was basically like about to die already when they arrested him. So it's unlikely that he told anyone. And the only other per and and okay, like Lucy Gray knows, but like, let's be so serious right now. Is Lucy Gray Baird gonna turn in Sedanus Plant? No. And then Coriolanus Snow. And they like there is evidence of their actions in the form of like the weapons but like everything else was like word of mouth and like literal like writing in the dirt and then covering it up like there was no real concrete evidence of what they were gonna do except for the weapons but the weapons would have actually incriminated Coriolanus Snow so the fact that he's not getting arrested means they didn't find the weapons so we don't have a lot of options as to who turned him in and I think that he is intelligent enough to realize that it was probably Coriolanus Snow, which actually makes his death even sadder because he, like, we as readers never trusted Snow and we were, like, you know, obviously, like, heartbroken by what he does to Sejanus, but, like, not really surprised, you know? Like, it's not shocking that he would do that. But Sejanus, like, you have to remember, actually trusted him and thought that he could rely on him and like he wouldn't have confided in him about all of this stuff if he didn't deeply deeply trust him because he was literally trusting him with his life and he had done that multiple times before as well both like literally and also like in this situation where it's like this information could actually get me killed and so if you think about it like that I don't remember where I started this train of thought um but you can you can kind of assume that or that Sejanus can put two and two together. So not only is he being executed, but he's also dealing with the fact that the one person he trusted and thought he could actually call a friend is the reason he's getting executed. And it's actually kind of war because like okay, and this is not like in defense of Coriolanus Snow. Like I think that the fact that he even did this was terrible. But he presses record on the Jabberjay and he's like still figuring out what to do with it. And then like it obviously gets back to Gaul and they're like, oh, thank you so much for your service. Um, but Sejanus, I'm assuming, doesn't know all those details. So he probably thinks that Coriolanus literally just ratted him out, like walked up to whoever and was like, here's what happened. Which is actually so much worse. If you're Sejanus and if you think that's what happened. Not saying, again, it's, it's like, horrible either way. But, yeah, the, like, deep level of betrayal he must have been feeling. And, and like, and like I said, not regret. Because I think that he is, will literally says, and spoilers for the closing quote, 
he says that he is willing to die for this cause. Like, he literally says it. And I'm not going to directly quote it because, like I said, it's my closing quote. Um, <laughs> and so, like, he is willing to do that. But also, I it's just sad because he could have done a lot more had he survived. You know, like, I think he could have made, like, a huge difference in, in Panem and in, like, world that this story inhabits. Um, but unfortunately never got the chance to do a lot of those things because he is dead as an 18-year-old. Like, they're literally 18 years old. Um, which is just such a fun thing to remember when you suddenly remember that Sejanus Blimp only lived to be 18 years old. Um, because, like, I, like, the, oh my god, the line that hit so hard is when they're, like, today would have been Sejanus Plunt's 19th birthday. I am 20 years old. That makes me incredibly sad to think about, that he didn't even get to live to be 19. Yeah. It's quite bad. Also, when you think about it, like, because him and Snow were obviously the same age. Snow is, is still around 65 years later during the original series the idea of Sejanus Plinth having been able to live and see a successful rebellion against the capital makes me sad that he didn't get to experience that and the fact that he could have like literally been involved in something like that too had he not died um yeah and that is why I think I mean there are a lot like there are a lot of tragic character arcs in the Hunger Games Let, like let's just think about that literally like the entire original trilogy is this like tragedy arc of Katniss trying to save her sister and ultimately failing. Um, and by failing, I mean like that's such a, you know what I mean? Like the failure is not actually that she herself was responsible for anything that happened to Prim, but that like that was her driving goal the entire series. And it like she ended up dying anyway. Anyway point being that is like the like ultimate tragic arc um and then like basically every individual character has some sort of like inevitable tragedy that happens to them but Sejanus Plinth and here's the thing with Sejanus and I believe I've said this before as well you open this book and as soon as like he is introduced and it is it is made clear that he is going to be like a pretty significant character in this book you know he is going to die you know he's gonna die. I feel like Lucy Gray, and we don't even actually know if she's dead. I always talk as if we do because that's just like what I believe to have happened, but like we actually don't even know. But like you can see things going separate different ways there because we know there was another victor from District 12. So like you're like she probably is going to win or like she definitely has a chance. Like it is not as apparent that she is going to either die or whatever happens to her. And maybe it's just me, but I think Sejanus, I knew right from the get-go that he was going to die. And there was probably going to be something like Snow is going to be involved. Maybe he gets involved. Like, it, the fact that he dies and even, like, the manner in which he dies is not deeply shocking to me. Um, and I don't think to many others. And yet, when I read his death, I had to put the book down and take a second because you like even if you go into this book you're like okay so Janus is gonna die I can't get too attached to him because it's one novel and he's gonna die at the end like if you just are operating under that assumption which I was and then here we are 
where he's literally my favorite character in the book. So what happened there, Suzanne? Why would you do that? Because, like, obviously Lucy Gray is, like, the biggest character in this book that you're supposed to be, like, rooting for because the main characters are, like, Coriolana Snow, who clearly we're not supposed to be rooting for. We're supposed to be rooting for him in the sense of, like, if he would just be a better person, all the people around him that we care about would have had much better lives. But we're not, like, actually rooting for him, especially because we know what happens with him and, like, what he does. And then Lucy Gray Barrett is kind of, like, the secondary main character. And obviously we are supposed to care a lot about her, be rooting for her. And then it's Sejanus. Because our other, like, major characters by that point are, like, I think at that same level is probably just Dr. Gall, who is, like, the antagonist of this novel. And by, like, the antagonist, I mean, like, she actually is the antagonist. Um, oh, my God. Speaking of, I can't believe I didn't mention this at the beginning. So off topic. Um, But since I last released an episode, yeah, because it's been, it's been a little longer now. So it has been since then. Um, the like Barnes and Noble exclusive edition or whatever of Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes came out. There's an interview with Suzanne Collins in the back, which, um, as we know, is rare because she doesn't do a lot of interviews, which I love and respect her for that. But sometimes I'm like, girl, I need to hear what you have to say. Um, and so I literally read it immediately and it was so good. Um, as usual, she just is so smart. Like I could read interviews from her all day long, every single day. But yeah, she had very interesting things. The, the Dr. Gall thing reminded me because she said some really interesting stuff about her. Um, but anyway, I won't really get into that, but go read that if you haven't already. Um, I think I did like do like a Twitter thread when I was reading it. Um, so anyway, but back to Sejanus Plant, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, I was saying that like he is the character that you're supposed to. And also he's so like, what is the word I'm looking for? I mean, like good, obviously. I don't even want to say like innocent because I don't think that's quite what I'm trying to say but it's just like you're he's kind of a character where you're like he has literally never done anything wrong in his life and yet he is the one who is suffering the entire book um and that's what's so infuriating and obviously like what makes this a good like villain story is that when you get to the end you're like why is the only person who got what they wanted out of this Coriolanus Snow and like Volumnia Gall. Like it's so deeply unfair because he doesn't deserve all the things that he gets. And like, uh, like, duh, we all know that. We all have known that since we're like, how is this terrible man the president of a country? Um, hmm. I just, Suzanne, let's, let's all think deeply about why Suzanne decided to write this novel now. Um, that's all I'll say on that because I don't want to get too into it, but let's think on it <laughs> and what I just said anyway um but yeah the point being sometimes terrible people are very successful even though they really shouldn't be um and that is very like that is not contained to this fictional story it is very real um and sometimes good people like Sejanus Plinth die horribly at a young age because of the actions of said evil people once again, this is a fictional story, but based in, rooted in reality. So, um, and that really sad and harrowing note, um, 
let's talk about Sejanus's relationship with his parents. Also very sad. Um, his dad sucks. Like, he really sucks. Um, so basically, the plants... This is another reason why Coriolanus hates Sejanus. Um, as if he needs more reasons. Because um, all the reasons are stupid. But... So, as we know, the Snows had invested all their money in the weapons in District 13. And then, oh, District 13 get destroyed. Except it actually didn't. But according to the Capitol, it did. Um, and so they lost all their money. Now, the plants, specifically Strabo plants, so Janus's father, had invested their money in the military in District 2. And, like, weaponry in District 2. So District 13 gets destroyed and the Capitol is like, oh, we need a new military headquarters. District 2, great option. So the plants are now wildly successful and now they can move to the Capitol, which is what Strabo Plinth wants. It is not what Sejanus wants at all, as I was talking about before. Um, and they butt heads on that all the time. Um, and basically Strabo Plinth is like, there is not a problem that money cannot solve completely uh, not completely unrelated but really unrelated but i want to talk about it anyway hilarious scene in which coriolanus snow goes to the plinth's house expecting strabo plinth to bribe him to keep quiet about like the whole thing that happened in the arena and whatnot and he fully doesn't offer him any money and you know he throws money at every problem and so the fact that he doesn't offer Coriolanus money just shows that he doesn't think that Coriolanus is even enough of a concern to warrant that, which is hilarious because Coriolanus now thinks he's so important, thinks he's the most important person ever. And so to have literally Strabo plants basically like tell him like, meh, you're not even worth it is hilarious to me. And like, I also don't like Strabo plants, but like what Coriolanus Snow deserved. Um, anyway, back to talking about Sejanus and his father, though. Yeah, so they don't really get along. Sejanus's mother, Ma Plinth, I am so sorry, girl, that, like, for literally everything, she just, like, she just wanted him to be happy, and I do really believe that she would have done everything, anything for him, um, and then he literally dies, and she, like, Oh my god, there's that whole part. I just Strable Plant, I hate you so much. There's a whole part at the end, the like deeply messed up part where Snow is like, and then the Plants like basically adopted me and like paid for everything. And I'm like, wow, you're the worst. Um, but Strabo Plant, it's basically like Strabo Plant like needs an heir and Ma Plant needs a son. And I'm like, Strable Plant, why are you so ready and willing to replace your own son? Like, it is, his only concern is, like, where's all this money going to go now that I don't have a kid? Oh, let me just find somebody else. And that's also just, like, the, like, oh, Ma Plinth is just, like, sad. She just needs, like, a son. Like, doesn't matter who. Um, okay. Yeah. Much to unpack there. Also, like, Ma Plinth, it's not to say, like, Ma Plinth really did care about Coriolanus. Like, she really liked him. Um, which... But once again, he did not deserve that. But we do know he, like, he manipulates people. And he's also, I think this is something that people are forgetting. Not forgetting, but, like, I don't know. Is not, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Point is, Coriolanus Snow is canonically 
extremely charming and good looking and he uses that to get what he wants so when you have all these people like good people like Ma Plinth and Lucy Gray Baird and Sejanus Plinth who are like so willing to support him and do anything for him it is because of like the way that he uses his charms and the way that he literally manipulates people um into thinking he's all that when he really isn't um and so I yeah I think that that's something that like needs to be part of most conversations about like his relationships to the other people in this novel because it's a different situation with someone like like I think Tigress and obviously we don't know all of the details between like now and Mockingjay for her but she also in this novel is very much like I think the Hunger Games are bad um I don't think the district people are like less than us like that that kind of stuff um and it probably gets more complicated because she does become like a stylist and we don't know all the details but like it's different for her because her and Coriolanus are literally family so it's it's different when you have like outside perspectives like Sejanus and Mopplant who didn't like grow up with him but like still think he's a good person even though he's very clearly not which to Strabo Plinth he's like oh he's just like me so he's the perfect person to inherit all of this Whereas Sejanus, like, he probably never wanted Sejanus to inherit their family's wealth anyway, because we know Sejanus wasn't going to continue to, like, invest in, like, war, literally profiting off of war, which is what the Plints are doing um, at this time. Which, obviously, Sejanus has, like, moral qualms about, because, like, hopefully you would, um, if that were you. Especially because, like, there was an actual literal war and that is the reason they are as wealthy as they are. And Strabo Plinth has never expresses any like regrets or like concern about that fact. He's just like, well, we have money now. And it's not even like, oh, I have money so I can support my family. It's like, I need my family to support and preserve my wealth. And Sejanus is not going to be doing that. And then that's why they're arguing all the time. One of the many reasons why they're arguing all the time. Yeah, so Strable Plants don't like you very much at all, actually. Um, and it's not just because I love Sejanus, it's because also you're a terrible person. So, and it's like literally like, yeah, I'm just thinking about like Crassus Snow. Anyway, moving back to Sejanus though, because I feel that we are getting a little off topic. Um, I do now we actually have to talk about like him being dead. <laughs> unfortunately so he yeah he dies his death is very very sad um I literally can't think about it too hard maybe I'll drop I have character playlists for like half the Hunger Games characters at this point I have one for Sejanus Plinth obviously um maybe I'll post it it's quite sad yeah um I don't recommend listening to it unless you want to cry so but um Another interesting thing I want to talk about in like involving his death is his legacy because one thing I talked about a lot when we were talking about like Mockingjay and like the characters who die there and even like Sinna and Catching Fire is the legacies of these characters being upheld by Katniss and Peeta and like Annie and the people who survived to remember them and Katniss Peter made this like book of people they lost so they would always like have those memories of them and stuff like that and really like and there was also a thing of like we have to live our best our best lives like they obviously were still 
going through a lot because of everything they'd been through but best lives in terms of like we need to like try to honor the memories of these people by living by like having the futures that they never got to have um and so it's a really sad contrast to the characters in ballad whose legacies are basically erased because the one entrusted to uphold them is Coriolanus Snow. Like, imagine you die and you have to trust Coriolanus Snow to, like, carry on your legacy and honor your death. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be doing that because the way he, quote-unquote, honors Sedanus' death is by literally replacing him in basically every way, um, except for he's a terrible person, so he could never replace Sedanus' plant. Um like like Lucy Gray had like the cubby members who we know are going to carry on her legacy and like literally we have the actual proof of it because they are still literally singing her songs 65 years later but Sejanus doesn't really have anyone because his closest friend was Snow um and there's like a few like they talk about like how because that's where the, like, today would have been Sejanus's 19th birthday, so they have, like, a dinner, and they invite, like, a few of their classmates, whatever, but, like, none of them were that close with him. None of them really knew him or understood him, and that is the really sad thing, is I don't think there was a single person who actually understood Sejanus Plinth. <laughs> I'm just gonna let that one sit. It's okay. I understand him so deeply, um, but, like, think about the people in his life, and it's because no one made an effort to understand him. Because they didn't care about him. Like, Ma Plinth, I, and I, yeah, Ma Plinth is, like, the only kind of, like, complicated one is because she, like, just was so focused on, like, protecting him and also, like, had to deal with the fact that she was married to Strabo Plinth, um, which I'm sure was not fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, but, so she, like, I think loved him, but was couldn't really truly understand what he wanted from his life because she was so focused on like we need to keep you safe and and like keep you out of trouble um which I think yeah there's a lot of nuance in like their relationship and like her as a parent um which Suzanne has always as we know been good at writing like really deeply complicated like parent-child relationships I mean like the biggest and first example is obviously Katniss and her mother because it's complicated. It's not black and white. Um, and there is a lot of like critiques to be made about like Mrs. Everdeen as a parent, but it's not as simple as like, oh, she's a horrible person. Next question. Like with some people in this series, I think it it is like that, but it's never that with her and it's never that with like Ma Plinth, although you also can't, like she's also not perfect. She's not a perfect parent, you know? And that goes back to what I'm saying with like who truly understood him because Coriolanus Snow clearly didn't because he never actually made an attempt to and he thinks he does and it's the same thing with Lucy Gray he thinks he understands who she is but he doesn't um Strabo Plinth clearly never did like ever um and that's like basically it like we don't yeah like he left District 2 so young that like the people there never even really got to know him like as he was like as an 18 year old whatever um but yeah, so there's basically no one. And so when it comes to like his legacy, it's like, oh, we're gonna have like a little party on his birthday or like a dinner or whatever. But like, that's not actually like upholding his legacy in any way. And it's, it's, it's like funny almost because the way that his legacy ends up being like carried out, like the things that he wanted is 65 years later in the rebellion. 
because that is ultimately what he wanted. And like, I'm not saying that like at age 18, he was like, we need to start a rebellion right now. But he believed that like the district deserved, the districts deserved better and that the capital like needed to stop treating them so terribly. Um, So, you know, like as time went on, he would have fully supported any rebellion that was like stirring. Um, And so, and he obviously like thought the Hungary were bad, whatever. Um, so that is like the biggest way, but it's not like his individual legacy doesn't really exist, which is very sad um, because he was actually a really remarkable person, despite the fact that he was didn't get to live very long. Um, and a lot of that was in like what he could have done and what he wanted to do, but never got the chance to. So in conclusion, very sad. <laughs> I need to stop talking about it because it's making me sad. Um, there's also like this kind of I think this is an actual like topic that comes up a lot in the Hunger Games with like various characters of like was Sejanus like a fighter quote unquote and I think it's very interesting with him because he he talks a lot about like wanting to be a medic and wanting to like help people and heal people and I think that is like truly like his calling is to help people um that's all he ever wanted to do. But when he is presented with the opportunity to like fight, not like fight, fight, but like be involved with the rebels in a way that like might result in fighting, he is like, he is on board with that. And so again, it's like you think about like if he'd been around, if like if he'd been an 18 year old or like a 20 year old, whatever, like when the rebellion was happening, I don't think he would have been like a a soldier I don't know I think he would like he if he would want to help in whatever way he could but I genuinely do think he would be most valuable as a medic because like he is always going to have apprehensions about hurting people even if it's for a good cause like even if he is fighting like the the enemy like if he's fighting against the capital um I still don't think that he would necessarily want to fight in that way. And so I do think like him saying he wants to be a medic is the thing that most makes the most sense in the world to me. Um, And he could have obviously done a lot of really great things as a medic if he got the chance. Anyway, (laughs) I need to stop. I need to stop doing the like hypothetically if Sejanus Blunt had not died um, because it makes me sad thinking about everything he could have done because that's like the like obvious tragedy with like characters dying young is they never got to like achieve their full potential but like especially in his case you know that he could he would have done really remarkable things um if he'd been surrounded by better people or grown up in a better time and it's yeah it's the same way I feel like which is also interesting she also like was literally a medic but with like Prim dying so young and it's like she was really good at what she did like she was a really good healer and then became a really good like was training to be a doctor and so it's like you don't even want to think about like all the things that they could have done that they never got to and all the people that they could have helped because I know in Sejanus's case he would have helped a lot of people because that's what he did um and so yeah it's another that's like what I mean with like tragic character arc it's like a classic tragic arc where like you're betrayed by the people they're by the person you thought you could trust you end up dead 
you never get to like achieve the things you wanted to achieve and the things that he literally could have achieved um had he not died so yeah man I knew this episode was gonna be sad but I'm actually getting really sad <laughs> talking about Sejanus it's like just so yeah like he's just such a good truly good person like the definition of what it means to be good and that is what always gets exploited and like his trust in others is what gets exploited and ultimately like results in his death and I'm just like Sejanus if you just been best friends with someone else like me and not Coriolanus Snow ugh, things would have gone down so differently if I met Sejanus Plinth in high school and became his best friend but anyway <laughs> um I I have to move on. I have to move on. Um, but yeah, just thinking about like his legacy and how like his individual legacy basically gets erased. And there's not like in Lucy Gray's case, her like actual legacy does literally like physically get erased because they try to erase everything that happened in her games. But the people of 12 who knew her and like specifically the Covey who was like literally her family will never let her actual legacy die. And we know they don't. Whereas Sejanus Plinth like didn't have people like that and so we know that his legacy really faded and really did die off and like Ma Plinth maybe was the only person who would have actually tried to like remember him in the way he deserved but she was also grieving and she just wanted to like not feel the pain of his death anymore um and also like I said I don't think that she even truly like understood him as a person in the way that like I do <laughs> the way that like readers do because we're like reading about his character and actually like taking the time to understand him because we're a truly truly outside perspective um it's okay so Janice your legacy lives on through me I will never let people forget you <laughs> um because I talk about you all the time and it's probably really annoying um to everyone who has ever met me uh that I literally talk about Janice Flint like in basically every conversation but I'm just keeping his legacy alive. So you're welcome, Sejanus. I've always got your back. Um, anyway, on to the closing quote, which I talked, like, teased a bit earlier. But it's just such a good one. And it's not, he says this, like, when they're in the arena. And then basically gets, like, talked out of it. And then it's literally what ends up happening. Um, but he says, it's the only way I might possibly make a statement. Let the world see me die in protest. And then he did. And then he literally did except the world didn't see it because it was just in district 12 um and it made a statement but like did it actually change anything no and I'm not like I'm so not saying that to like downplay anything that he did or be like super morbid or whatever but like that's what's sad about it is that he wanted he would have he wanted to die for a cause and he like wanted his death to make a difference and then it didn't because everyone else who was involved in that rebel plot was already like dead or like Lucy Gray wasn't even really involved but like she had to literally run away and is maybe dead um and, like you know maybe some of the people in 12 like felt something for his death but they were in no position to actually do anything and the people who like I said who were taking that initiative were like Arlo Chance and like Lil and Spruce and those people who are no longer alive um so, like, his death literally actually didn't change anything in District 12. Or anywhere. So. <laughs> not to say he died for nothing, but he kind of died for nothing. That's kind of the point. That's what makes it sad. 
it's like it's obviously it's sad that he died but like he was willing to die to make a change but then he died and it didn't make a change is what I'm saying can't believe I'm ending the episode on that horribly sad note um (laughs) so but but like his story ends really sad there's no way around it it's a sad story it's a sad character it's like deeply tragic um so I don't really have a choice but to end on that note um next week episode will be fun though I promise um and then my next character episode will be still kind of harrowing but like less like about an 18 year old who died so it's all going it's all looking up from here I promise um Anyway, um, now I'm going to have to cut myself off because I actually am getting sad. And if I keep talking and thinking about Sejanus Plinth, it, like, I can't do it. I can't do it right now. So we'll just leave on that. We'll just leave it at that. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. Um, as a reminder, I am bi-weekly until November. However, I will have an episode next week due to my schedule getting a little shifted. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.